Joining us now, uh, the legendary coach, Brian Gorgian, and a man that always gives us plenty of time here at ESPN, whether it's on the jump with Gazy and Copes and, and the carry-on that they have at the desk or whether it's here on this show or elsewhere, we really appreciate it. Especially, Brian, because I imagine these last couple of weeks, you think the season ends, maybe you take a, a deep breath, but not necessarily for you. <laughs> no, it's it's like we it's been been crazy good, you know the the, the finish up in Wollongong with the Hawks um, was emotional and and uh, a good feeling at the end. Just just um, um, giving it our best shot that last game. Obviously, the disappointment. You know, I I, I knew coming down the end, this is it, and uh, thought we had a real shot at a championship, and that was the goal. Um, so uh, disappointing, but also reflection on, you know, what was accomplished from the beginning of the thing and what we built over two years. And then the handover, you know, to my longtime assistant, um, uh, uh, Jacob Jacomis, and a, and a group of guys that, you know, I, I know the thing is moving forward and there's a solid base. So you kind of, you know, give everybody a hug and feel good about what you're walking away from. And then um, the excitement of um, this new challenge, this new league, um, all of all the, the, the I feel that it's going to do for Asia Pacific and the region, not only domestically, but internationally. And then, you know, I'm right staring you in the face after the celebration of the bronze medal, rose gold is, is um you know, right here in Melbourne in the end of June, a real challenge with uh, Team China and uh, Team Japan coming in for that tournament. So um, a lot <laughs> on the plate, but uh, exciting times. So I want to get into the Bay Area Dragons because I'm just fascinated about how this is all going to work. But you put, you touched on something. I think everyone uh, assumed or read into the fact that perhaps you weren't going to coach the Hawks next year, just listening to you the last month or so of the season and, and some of the stuff you had to say, uh, did the team know, were you, did you, I know you don't make things about yourself, but was there any, uh, knowledge within the team and the players when you come into that playoff series, you got home court that, uh, it, it's the last run for you with that team. Absolutely not. You know, and just what you said, it, it totally not about me drawing attention to your, it, it, um, it would have taken the eye off, off it, you know, but um, in, in those guys remaining focused and again, it, it's not about me, you know, and uh, all I always say, the emotion for me was down that back stretch. Um, I think, you know, we won 13, something like 13 out of 15, our only losses were Tasmania and to Sydney. And we also beat those teams in that package as well. So, you know, finishing second and having that home court as we're coming down that back stretch, you know, just constantly saying to them at practice, this team isn't going to be together again. You know, it's never, you never come back with the exact same team. We want to leave our mark. We want to know regrets. And when I put the hands in at the end inside for the first time, knowing that this is you, you know, you're not going to be back with this team. This is it. So, um, you know, there, there, there wasn't a lot of emotion there. I did know um, during the, the back stretch that it was time. And really the decision for me, it, it was twofold. It was one, this, what I'm in, um, 
the next three years for me is this is finishing what, what's on the table. And it wasn't the next job. It was this job. And I just thought with Jacob, Jacob there, um, there's been a bit of a change in the ownership, new general manager change. And in three more years, you know, sitting on top of this young um, staff that I had and um, the, the, I, I just thought, you know what, it, it's, um, it, it's time. I've, the, the base is there, um, step away. And then um, in, in the, the next aspect was the Bay Area Dragons and knowing that um, this league um, was being put together and uh, uh, when that opportunity came, you know, um, it, it did, you know, it, 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 as always, there's that positions there, we're interested, we'll talk about it when the season finishes. And so I let a, a little bit of time go by. And then, uh, you know, once we discussed it, uh, it, it just totally, you know, sits in my wheelhouse. It excites me. It's, um, um, and, and yeah, we can talk about that more. It's, it's, but the decision to leave the gong was a tough one, but it was the right one. And I feel good about where it sits. And then this new opportunity as well is amazing. Yeah. So you talk about the next period leading into Paris uh, and you've been here the last couple of years and you spoke about the benefits of uh, you know, being close to Australian basketball, seeing a lot of the guys that potentially may be in the mix for boomer squads uh, playing against you, playing uh, for you over the last couple of years. Now you don't just go back to Asia, but you go into a completely new team, which as we've seen here in the last couple of years with teams like Southeast Melbourne and Tasmania, the challenges that new teams, new franchises have with not just building a roster, but building literally everything. Uh, this is a team that is going to play in a new East Asia Super League, but you're also going to play in the PBA in the Philippines. I think it's a Hong Kong team, but you're going to be based in the Philippines. What exactly is going on with this team? And then, and then why was this the challenge that you want to take on at this point in time? Well, <clears throat> one is... Um... It's to have an internet and it's been talked about um, for, for as long as I almost can remember in the NBL, where, where do we go with this as a league? There's 25 million people here. Um, there's a restriction here with the popularity of basketball, what um, uh, basketball, uh, it, the growth, where, where do we go with this? And um, it's the same now that I've spent time in Japan and I've spent time in, in China. There's, you look at um, the Europe and, and what's gone on there um, and there's similarities. Now they've got country versus country and they call it the EuroLeague. And you've got your domestic competition. Let's say you're in Russia, Russia which is your version of the NBL. Now um, being in China, being in Japan, being in Australia, the opportunity for China to play Korea, for Korea to play Japan, for Japan to play Chinese Taipei and bring that together from, from your area, social media, from, for fans, for the support in that region, sponsorship, TV rights, the, the, the power of it is incredible. And the growth of it, you look at it, and I'm looking at it big picture, there's no way over the next five or six years that Australia is not going to be a, want to be a part of this. Now you've got a Euro League of the Asia Pacific and you've got your strong domestic comp. 
and I'll take you to, you know, I, I go to uh, this, it finishes. Um, I get back home and on the first weekend, um, there's an NBL one game and Andrew Gaze is coaching my, I played one at the Melbourne Tigers and he's coaching <laughs> the Tigers. And so I walk in the door and they're playing um, Tasmania, which is Harry Frawling's team. And I want to catch up with Harry, say hello. I watch the game. I come in halftime, go out, and there's Lindsey Gates. And he, you know, my old coach, uh, mentor, um, walks up to me, puts his, his arms around me, hugs me, and goes, Brian, I'm so happy for you. And he goes, I've been trying to do this for over 20 years. And um, here's a guy that, you know, this is in his wheelhouse, is, is, is building stadiums, um, making basketball in Australia relevant. And a guy that's worked like I did, he was one of the originals to work for a club team, Tam Jing, in China. So he understands the environment over there. So again, um, this um, international competition and domestic competition um, and the growth of basketball in this region, um, it, this is going to be big. And it's interesting that when I went to China and I did my first seven years there, when I went to do my next contract, I needed somebody that spoke Chinese. And um, there was an American-based guy lawyer there that um, was lived there and was a major agent who I teamed up with, who we worked together for the next 10 years. He, he's the guy that's had the vision for this. He's the guy that's got the FIBA rights. He's the guy in his company running this whole league. And not only is he running the league, he's in charge of the Chinese team, which is the Bay Area Dragons. So the link with him, and I've been a part of this vision that he's been on for, you know, probably, probably this has been going for our communication on it and him just talking about it in the work, you know, going to Korea, going to the Philippines, meeting with FIBA, you know, we've been discussing, he's been giving me feedback for, you know, the last seven years. So uh, when you do project forward, it does make sense that the NBL would be linked up with this league. <laughs> uh, has it, and you've obviously been such a great, uh, you know, I guess correspondent. I don't know if that's the right word, but you understand the landscape over there. Even when we've seen guys like Joe Chi come out here, you talk about Andrew Gaze, but you were trying to describe the impact of him in China and said, well, it's like Andrew Gaze going to play in China. So you understand uh, how popular basketball, how huge it is over there. So if you uh, actually, I, I'm assuming you've put this forward to the league and said, this is the vision. This is where we should be heading. They're obviously moving into the Asian market with broadcast deals, streaming deals, getting big name players over here to the NBL. But how realistic is it that this would happen uh, relatively soon? Australia being a part of this, I, yeah. I did, you know, it, to, to me, it just, it, it just makes, it makes sense. And I know um, it's part of the vision is, is in the, in the growth of this, where does it grow? And, and uh, a, a lot of what the NBL's done over the last 10, you know, since Larry's been involved in it from where it was, Larry Kesselman, and where the league's going as a competition and how it's being run and the credibility, it makes sense for both parties. I mean, we need here, we need uh, the, the, the masses. We, we, we need that aspect of it. And for them, they need 
um, the competition. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, you know, the NBL is so well run. The competition's fantastic. And in the location, it's, it's in that region. And you look at us now um, from an international standpoint, who are we playing on our first window? My first window back from Rose Gold, we're in Melbourne and we're playing Japan in China. I mean, it, it's, it's um, we're in that region. They're going to grow it. it. You just, you know, you're here. Um, and again, I'm not a part of the business side. I'm not, I'm not, but I know, and I, I will be, you know, doing everything I can to promote it. Cause I think it's, it, it's great. What, what a great thing for me to be a part of the NBL and go to something like this and, and, and be a, a part of um, the growth in, in this um, next step. And I, again, I just think the, the, the EASL um, need it. And I think um, the NBL and Australian basketball needs it. I mean, it, it, it's just, it makes perfect sense. And um, it would be so exciting. So you came back here and you had the, the two years with the Hawks and obviously you'll have your fingerprints all over everything. You know what's going on over here in Australia, but there was expansion in your time here. The Phoenix were a new team just the season before you came back. They're talking about further expansion. You're talking about moving into yeah, potentially some sort of this East Asian Super League. Uh, what do you think is, what, what do you see as, as the future for this league then? Again, we're talking about a grand final last week. I was fortunate enough to be there. There's 17,000 people in that arena on a Wednesday night. Uh, even for me, someone that uh, just from a, a distance has watched the game and now works in it, it's staggering to me to see how quickly uh, the game has picked up over the last few years. The exciting part of it is, is um, what they're doing underneath it. And, you know, um, to me, um, going to the Blitz for the first time, I, I, you know, and, and you get the teams together and you've been away and you look and go, my God, you know, all the Sudanese um, involved in this now, the indigenous community, kids from Russia, kids from China, kids from Spain, kids from Germany. And you're, you're look, I mean, wow. And now underneath that, all these kids that are being developed um, and, and you look around and you go, um, all we're discussing now with the boomers, how many kids you got playing first division basketball. So what's happening now from when I came across all those years ago is the top sports kids are attracted. We used to get, if you couldn't play football, if you weren't real good at cricket, um, basketball is an option. Now, the best athletes in Australia are attracted to basketball and it's touching all communities. So now all these kids are playing, all these stadiums being built. It's strengthening uh, the NBL. Now, what's missing? Um, the missing piece is opportunity. You're playing, to me, you've got nine or 10 teams, um, you need more opportunity for what you're developing to play. What's the difference between the 80s and what in the heyday in the 90s and now? Gaze, Bradkey, Copeland, Timmons, um, that's as good as it gets. I'm sorry, the team that won the thing, Tasmania, are they better than that? I don't, I mean, it, it, it's a nice argument. It's, it's not that that's changed, it's the depth. It's the depth where you look at a team's bench and you go, this kid plays division one basketball and he can't get a uniform. 
this kid plays division one basketball and um, he doesn't get to play. And so for me, it, you need another three or four more teams the, it, for the competition, but also to service all these kids that we're developing, one. And um, two, I, I'd like the idea of a 48-minute game. I know you got issues with the TV package, but for me, it was very difficult to bring in bench players and, and go deep in your roster when you play the amount of games you play and you've got to win the game and they're two and three point games, you can use your timeouts. Um, you can play your main and, and get by with eight where you have a 48 minute game. You have to rotate 10, 11 over the course of the season and make that part of your strategy. So um, more teams, um, uh, uh, giving that an opportunity and then um, longer games. And then, like I said, you know, um, add uh, an international competition to that. Now, now you've got the package and we're trending that way. As you said, with Phoenix, with the success of Tasmania and not only is it as, is what they accomplished on the court, but how they were run off the court. And now trying talking about Canberra, talking about a second team in Sydney, I, I think over the next four or five years, you're going to see expansion. So as far as this Boomer squad goes uh, uh, upcoming, if we go back to NBL 22, as I said, one of the benefits of you being here is you've, you've spoken about it before, guys playing against the Hawks. They're like, well, this is a good opportunity for me to play a, a nice game in front of Gorge here today. So who, is there anyone that stood out to you that obviously wasn't a part of that Olympic squad um, from the local players uh, across the league? The, the 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 standout obviously was Xavier Cooks. I mean, um, uh, um, amazing. Uh, just again, and I, I just thought I thought Chase did a, a tremendous job of, of how you use him. And it's it's funny certain certain players you look at, and especially internationally, and they they're they they don't they don't have a position like they're. There, but I, I mean, in, oh, you, you can't use him. He's too small in, in this position. He does, he's not quick enough in this position. He's not, so he's undersized and um, he's not good enough um, as a guard. Where um, And I used to have this, I give an example of Mark Worthington. You know, when, when I, he's either that or he's really versatile. And um, what Chase did with Xavier and it opened my, is, is he made him versatile. He made him like, um, if you uh, had had a big on him, he's got the ball and he's bringing the ball up the court. And he's got space and he can get in the paint. If he's got uh, um, a mismatch there that's quick, he'd st set a step up with a small guard and force a switch. Um, he just used him well. And, um, it, it opened my eyes to that one. And I, I just think um, he was uh, a, a total mismatch. And I think he's, he, he has a, a bright international future. And then you had, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible with names. If you, <laughs> my, my background with all this, but the, uh, we could Wani at, at Sydney, Glover at Sydney, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the rookie of the, the year um, out of cans. I just thought there was um, some some um, perimeter like, like we got with Dante Exum, 
like we got with Matisse Teibel. That was a piece internationally that Andre Lamanis and the coaches prior didn't have that, that um, made such a huge difference for our team. And it was a missing piece, that lengthy big, that, could, that lengthy wing that can put ball pressure on. And you can, you know, that, that, that you know, you think back to Luca Daka, Luca, and um, the job that Matisse and that Dante did on him. And we haven't had that piece. And the guys that I've just described to you, I think on an international stage, have the potential to do that. So um, the, the youth in this thing in the NBL that was there this year, there was you know some nice perimeter pieces, but the standout again, um, the eye opener was Xavier Cooks. And what is the expectation? And I know you're working through it still, but I guess it's a month away here and there are going to be some guys that will be back in Australia that potentially played overseas. Then there's guys that are going to be in Australia that are playing you know, potentially just going through the draft, potentially um, summer league, those types of scenarios. So what type of team are we looking at for next month? Because I am hearing there'll be some very familiar names for Australian basketball fans. We're in the process now and late in this process of putting the team together, like, like who's available Who's going to play in the summer league? Who's going to who's going to put their hand up for this? Um, so I mean, it's it's a real interesting time. I, I as as the co coach, I and I again, this is you go back twelve years ago. This didn't exist. So you play New Zealand for it was us in New Zealand, and that's it. Now um, you're incorporating all these countries and. Um, what you have now is you've got the, with Australia, you've got the NBA group and the NBA group, those NBA players, they play in a competition. Let's say they play in the Olympics, the, their, their, their lead in year to that 82 games. Then they go right into the Olympics, right back into their season. And now this window, this period of time, um, they've got to get rest. Because then now the next thing you have is the World Games and the following season, you've got the Olympics. So where this, um, I, now you have to also qualify. And if the, that group, now it falls on that NBA, the players that we've just talked about, that NBL component. And um, if we have to go and dig below the top line of that, um, I know what China's bringing to the table for this. I know what Japan's bringing to the table to this. And um, if we go below um, the delis, the cooks, the duops, and you go, it, it's going to be um, really, really difficult. So right now, what we're trying to what we're trying to get committed are those top end MBL guys and uh, guys in their career that. Um, um, aren't established in the NBA. And this is not a bad, this is a good showcase. Not only is it good for our team and for Australia, but it's very good for them as a showcase for their next job. Like Dante Exum at the Olympics. Um, like, uh, I mean, it was very good for Patty, obviously, who was out of contract. So certain guys, and there's guys that fall into that. And we're tapping those doors now and trying to get commitment. Um, as we speak. So as you look forward and you're always doing that to the, to the big one, the Paris, Paris Olympics in a couple of years, you had uh, Josh Giddy. You've been asked about him a million times. Uh, there's another guy that is 
looking like he potentially might be a top 10 pick again, Dyson Daniels. Have you, we, have you been able to see any of him uh, play this year? I know the G League stuff is a little bit difficult to track, but as someone who is going to be coaching this team uh, in back-to-back years, I've said this, I can't really remember back-to-back years where you could potentially have two Australian top 10 picks that play at the same position. I mean, we could be watching the NBA next year and you got Josh Giddy and Dyson Daniels guarding each other, attacking each other, which as an Australian, is just absolutely ridiculous and exciting. I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you had the excitement of, of Josh Giddy and, and all that he's done and, and beyond expectations, honestly, I mean, um, uh, unbelievable talent. And you saw that really, I haven't, uh, I think back over the course of time, a young guy that they put the ball in his hand in this next star role, you know, even you, you look at what ball did with the Hawks, um, they finished last, you know, Josh Giddy when he was with Adelaide and he played, they were unbelievably competitive. And right there, when he was out, they, they couldn't yeah. win. And to have a guy at that age, um, able to do that, um, it, it says, says, says what needs to be said about him. And then um, what he's done in the league, um, uh, but I, I saw him, um, knew he was going to be a pro, no, no, knew he was going to be great, but beyond expectations. And what he does um, from an international standpoint, when you talk about the next one, Dyson or whoever it is, he's unique. He is a true point guard that makes everybody else around him better. Magic Johnson-ish, you know, gets his feet in the paint, finds people, um, a guy that you want to play with. Dyson's um, different. Dyson's um, uh, a a big, strong, um, evolving as a point that more than comfortable playing off the ball. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. So, um, you know, you look at down the road. um, Yes, uh, Dyson could play the one. And you could rest Josh Giddy, or the two of them can play together. um, No concern. And again, what Dyson brings is that element uh, that is so important. And you can see it. And I keep referring to Matisse and Dante, a lengthy big that defends and um, can carry the ball can play the one, can play the two. Very Dante, Dante-like. So, um, and the first one to tell me about him, honestly, when I stepped off the shores and we got the boomers job, one of my first calls, Maddie Nielsen and Adam Caporn. And Adam said right away, I, I had any better than this in, in my time at the center of excellence. <laughs> you know, we, he brought his team up and scrimmaged against the Hawks. And man, he was a, he was a standout. And I go back long enough to remember his father is a player who, you know, played at Broad Meadows and was a, was a hell of an athlete and a hell of a basketball player himself, like Dave Simmons and Ben. Uh, one other guy you, you obviously worked with this year and at the Olympics, Dwight Breath. We had him on this show about a month ago, I believe. And we were talking about what the future holds for him. And I think uh, he's a guy that Australian basketball fans have really been introduced to over the last sort of 12 months off the radar a little bit. Uh, playing internationally uh, what do you see the future for him and I know you're a big part of him coming to Illawarra and and you're probably not going to tell me what you think that he's going to do or how whether the Hawks are going to be able to retain him but clearly uh, he is a guy that was a major factor he adjusted to a new role on a featured role in offense with the Hawks and it felt like to me he was a guy that was continuing to learn 
uh, throughout the season, despite the fact he was playing at that high level. No, you're, you're right on it. I, I, in, in, you know, you, you finish up and you walk away. Um, <laughs> this year was huge for, um, for him, for, for a reef, uh, do Sorry. I'm, for do He, he's, <laughs> he's, um, you know, the, the national team, he played a similar role, similar situation as he did in Europe. You know, it, he's a piece. And um, you looked at him and go, he's got so much potential. He can shoot the ball. He can put it on the deck. He's got nice touch in the mid block. Um, he has the ability to defend, but he wasn't a good defender. And you, now you carry it over and go, now you put him in the NBL and what you're the go-to guy. And he's never been that before. And, you know, the start of the thing, it just evolved. I mean, people played him normally and um, he's killing it. And then it's like, hey, this is a guy and they targeted him and he'd never been that before. You know, in Europe, he'd stand in the corner and they'd say, shoot a three if, if they help here and get back on defense. Now, you know, no, you've got to get us 20 and 10. And um, that evolution naturally came from playing in the NBL and he got, he, it started to click mid season and then defensively, um, you know, played too tight off the ball. Wasn't the rim protector initially at the start of the year, got better at that, got better at switching. And that's the NBA thing. Can he switch onto a guard, keep the guard in front of him and contest and contain? He got better at that. So when you, wind up the end of the season, you know, he was 20, who's double double in the playoffs against Sydney and in those games in the backstretch that got us in the playoffs. So um, this was great for him. And it's, and now his next evolution, when he plays with the boomers and those NBA guys, he'll play the role he played with the Hawks in this next aspect of the boomers. And I do hope I mean, everybody says this about, I do hope that um, he makes the NBA. But for all of these guys walking away from this, if you don't play in the NBA, we want you in the NBL. And I think the NBL is good for Xavier Cooks. I think the NBL is great for Duop Reese. And what we don't want happening is these guys go, what, what? no, you don't need to go over there. It's here. And, and the money's evolving to a, 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 with a, and again, Larry's concepts, the next star, you know, that position has been, but also the marquee player. You can have a Bogan, you can have a Reef Duop, you can have a Xavier Cooks under that premise on how it works with the salary cap. And I'm, you know, as I walk out of this league, I mean, it was great for me as a coach. I have, I mean, I got so much better. There's an evolution to becoming a national coach. You don't just, to walk into that and you got to be in a tough day-to-day -to -day competition and I got better here I got I mean and this thing um Chase Buford Morrison I mean there's people are critical of no it's the game's evolving it's different um at, at Perth you're, you're not gonna he did a, the job done there by Trevor was was amazing but you're not gonna run flex for the rest of your life <laughs> the thing's gonna evolve and change to recruit and um Again, in this competition has been tremendous for the players, tremendous for the coaches and uh, guys like Xavier and guys like, du I mean, they don't, I don't think they get that role. I don't think they get that evolution in playing in 
Europe somewhere as opposed to being here right now to get to that goal because I think they're both NBA potential players and it's right here in the NBL is great for them. Uh, I've only got one last one for you and this is more just my own curiosity, Brian, and we know you're heading overseas. Uh, for uh, fellow Melbourneites like myself, I've spoken to you about Melbourne before. There was curiosity whether you would come down here and Simon Mitchell, obviously you talk about other coaches in this league that have done a great job. Simon's done a great job with the Phoenix. Um, there was lots of rumours, Brian, and I'm not sure if you were across it. Did the Phoenix at all ever raise the idea of potentially coming down here? No. No, um, but in, in, in fairness, one is um, uh, Mitchell's done a great job. And yeah. um, for, for me personally to just, uh, and I think I made this clear when I came, I did not, um, and as you get, uh, it's gotta be something for me personally that um, um, I'm excited about. Um, uh, there's a challenge, there's, um, you don't if it doesn't tug at you right don't do it and I honestly when I, when I look at Melbourne and I come back to Melbourne um I I did that you know I I did that with the magic I, I put a bow on that and my my memories are are strong and wonderful and the competition that we had with you know Andrew and that kelps and that thing I, I didn't I didn't want to go back into that box. And, and there, again, there wasn't the opportunity, but my, uh, I got tugged a few times to come back into the NBL. The Wollongong one excited me. New franchise, bottom of the ladder. Um, go there with my guy, Jacob. Um, start this thing and build it and, and hand it. I, I knew it wasn't going to be forever. Hand that thing off. And, and it went just as planned. But um, uh, I, I love what's going on in Melbourne. I'm back here now, and I love Melbourne is, is a place to live. Um, it, it, it's wonderful. But um, the decision with the gong, the hardest thing was leaving the gong. But I, I never entertained any thoughts of coaching anywhere else in the NBL. I, I, would, uh, I was happy at the gong, and I would have stayed there um, till the finish. Um, again, if, yeah. I mean, that, that was my thought. Well, the good news is we'll see you here uh, next month when the, uh, when the Boomers play. And we're all looking forward to that. Last time the Boomers played in Melbourne, they had about 50,000 here. They were playing at Marvel and it was awesome. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, I say this to you every time, Brian, but I could probably talk to you for hours and hours. But you are, let's say you've got a little bit on your plate. So I will let you go. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate your time always. Thank you. 